That's what we all need to let them see Jesus in us. That makes all the difference in the world. And by the way, our new missionary family, they're going to Mobile, Alabama. I've been down there a few times, and we're certainly praying that God will certainly use you in a special way. And if anything we need today, we need some good Bible-believing independent Baptist churches, and we're certainly thankful for the opportunity we have to have a part in seeing what God's going to do in Mobile, Alabama. Genesis chapter 18, for our continued teaching and preaching tonight, Genesis chapter number 18. If you find your place, we'll read a few verses here, and then uh, we'll uh, see what the Lord has for us here tonight. Genesis chapter number 18. I like to begin reading in verse number 16, Genesis chapter 18, verse number 16. And the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Our Father, we are so thankful for the opportunity we have to be here uh, tonight, to be able to see what the Word of God has to say about this important uh, principle of stewardship. And I pray that you'd help us all in the day in which we live to be able to uh, take some time and to be able to focus on our stewardship and the importance of it. I pray tonight that you'll open every heart. I pray you'll take me as your servant, cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, Fill me with thine Holy Spirit. You bless the preaching and teaching of God's holy word. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Last week we had our first lesson on what we call Christian uh, stewardship. Uh, the Apostle Paul, as we saw last week in 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, uh, he was talking about the fact that he was a minister and a steward of the mysteries of God. In other words, he's saying, I'm a minister, that is, I'm a servant. But I'm a steward, in other words, I'm a steward of that which God has revealed to me as an apostle to be able to manage it for God. You see, stewardship is guardianship. And Paul says, uh, I, I, I take this matter very serious. The God of heaven has trusted me with something, and I want to take extreme good care that I manage it for God. Now, let's understand some things about a steward. A steward is someone who owns absolutely nothing, but he manages a household for someone else. Now, every person in here who's saved by the grace of God, you and I are stewards. We may not be the best stewards. Uh, we may not be the wisest stewards, 
But because we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we are stewards. And I believe, just like the Apostle Paul said, if I'm a steward, if the God in heaven has saved my soul and I belong to him, then I ought to put forth every effort to manage what he has given me to manage. That is my time, my talent, my treasure. It doesn't belong to me, it belongs to God. And I have a requirement. Paul says it's required in stewards that a man or a woman or a boy or girl be found faithful. God doesn't require me to be talented. He doesn't require me to be rich or educated, but he does require that I am faithful. And Paul says, I take that very serious. He says, as a matter of fact, I love you, Corinth, but I'm not really concerned about what you think of what I'm doing. He says, as a matter of fact, I'm not really that concerned about what others think of me. He said, I'm not even concerned about what I think of me. After all, he says, I don't see anything that I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing regarding stewardship. Uh, I, I seem to be doing everything that I think I ought to, to be doing, but I'm not justified because I can't judge myself. What I'm really concerned about is that one who is going to judge me because he knows everything. So we saw in last time in Deuteronomy uh, chapter number 8, the first principle. So if I am required to be faithful, don't you think I ought to respond in a faithful way? You believe that? Say amen. All right, so the requirement is to be faithful. The response from the steward ought to be, I'm going to be faithful. That takes work. That means I'm to be serious. And Paul says, I, 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 I believe in that. So the first principle of stewardship, if I'm, if I'm required to be faithful, if I want to be faithful, if I want to be a good steward, I need everything that I can get a hold of that's going to help me to be a faithful steward to Almighty God because I'm managing his time. I'm managing the talent that he's given me. I'm managing the treasure he's given me. So I want to be the best steward that I can be. Well, stewardship begins with accountability. God was about to take the nation of Israel, as we saw last time, into the promised land. He said, in the promised land, you're going to find two things. First of all, you're going to find prosperity. I'm going to bless you, but you're also going to face problems. But when you find prosperity or when you face problems, there's still a requirement, and that requirement is remember the Lord thy God. It is he who's enabled you to find that prosperity, and it's he that's going to help you face those problems. And if you want to remember something that's going to help you to, to be a good guardian, to really carefully guard what belongs to Almighty God. Keep this in mind. There's an accountability. Two things to remember about accountability is simply this. God owns everything. That ought to help me 
Y'all to help me to know that everything I have, God owns it. Now, not only does God own everything, but God owns me. He saved my soul, could have taken me to heaven, but he chose to leave me down here on earth because he's got, he got some management for me. He wants me to manage some things, and he, he wants me to be faithful in how I manage them. So if you want to you, you know what will help you to fulfill this requirement of being faithful as a steward, keep this in mind. God owns everything, and God owns you, and he owns me. Therefore, I better guard what he has placed for me to manage. The second principle of stewardship is what we want to see here in looking at a man by the name of Abraham. Three men came to Abraham. One of them was the Lord. And it says in verse number 16, and the, and the, the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them uh, uh, on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? I'm about to do something. I'm about, I'm about to destroy Sodom. Uh, Solomon, I mean Sodom. He said, I'm, I'm about to do this, this, this great thing. Lot's down there. His nephew is there. Th this is a major thing. Should I keep it from Abraham? He said in verse number 19, well, I know him. I, I don't have to hide anything from him. I know him. This servant of mine is dependable. I can trust him. You see, anyone who really understands accountability ought to be dependable. You see, God is looking for somebody that he can use, somebody he can trust. I think about what Deuteronomy, what Second uh, uh, Chronicles says in 16.9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Now stop and think about this. If God owns everything, he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He owns the gold, the silver. He owns every human being. He owns everything. Therefore, he has no problem blessing whom he wants to bless, using whom he wants to use. What the problem he has is finding somebody who's dependable, finding somebody that he can give more, who can manage more. Someone that he can bless with a talent that will use it for him. Someone that he can bless for a family that will raise his family for him. God says, I'm looking. He says, that guy Abraham, I know him. I know him. I can trust him. There's some things he will do because he's dependable. I want you to notice the first thing he said about Abraham in verse 17. He said, and the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? You know what he's saying about Abraham? I can share my plans with Abraham. 
I mean, I can share some things that I'm about to do with Abraham and I'm convinced that I can trust him. I can depend upon him. The question is, do you have a relationship with God where he says, I trust you enough to share some things? I mean, I, I could share with you something that I need done and I know you will be dependable to be faithful in getting it done. The second thing I want you to know is in verse 18, it said, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. He says, you know what I know about Abraham? I not only can share my plans with him, but I can shower him with prosperity. Oh, he's going to become a great man, but I can depend upon him that as great as he becomes, I can prosper him and I have confidence that in that prosperity, he's going to be dependable. Oh, listen, God's looking for some people to share his plans with. He can shower with prosperity. After all, he owns everything. He ain't broke. He not have any problems. But thirdly, and the thing that really gripped my heart, and I spend hours a day thinking over life, he said in verse number 19, for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep thy, the way of the Lord. I can share with Abraham my plans. I can shower him with prosperity but I can depend upon him sharing me and the truth with those who are precious to him. I'm a, a person that I can say from the bottom of my heart, I don't consider myself to be a great Christian. There's some things in this Christian life that I've done well the whole lot of things I haven't done so well. But I can look back almost 47 years ago and there's some things that I have been disappointed in, some failures that I've made. But one of the things as I was thinking and praying about it today when it comes to this matter of stewardship, I am ever so thankful that three years after getting saved, July 22nd, 1976, God showed me the importance of being a good steward. And from the bottom of my heart, way back there in 1976, I says, God, I'm 30 years old. I've been in the world for a long time. I've messed up a whole lot of things but I want to be a good steward that I can share with those who are precious 
to me the truth of the things of God. And he chose that time in my life where things were going on. I was a businessman. My wife and I were running the, the first professional known maid service in the metropolitan area, started in 1971. I had an, a nursing agency called Nurse America that started out number 50 and in one year became number two. Billed $86 in 1980 for the first billing. By the end of 1981, it billed $1.8 million. And here we were, headed to success. My wife says, I want to retire at 35, fly to New York for dinner, eat dinner, and fly back home the same night. We were on the road. We only wanted one child. We had Michael at the time, and we were headed. And then I got saved. And then I got saved, and I realized those, that business, that nice house, that Lincoln, and everything we had belonged to God. And I committed to the Lord. God, I want to be a good steward. So my, I've been, my wife is saved at 11. We've been married 10 years. I hadn't been to church in 12 years. And all of a sudden, she'd been preaching at me all the time about you need to get religion. And I, I, I said, oh my goodness, if she's way ahead of me, my wife has been quiet all her life. Anybody who's been around here a long time know that's not true. She was a talker. I was a guy that clammed up all the time. And all of a sudden, I'm going to be a steward. But I got to start at that which is most precious to me. And that's my family. So I realized that's why I started memorizing Bible verses. That's why I started reading the Bible every day. I had a lot of catching up to do to be a steward. Because if you can't be a good steward of your household, you're not going to be much of a good steward in anything else. So I started there. All of a sudden, I started reading, we started having family devotions. Jeanette, Michael, the three of us, we sat there and had family devotions. We started all of these different things going on, and I want to be a good steward. But I say, I got to start with my wife. So I'm facing this, this ordeal. I knew nobody who loved God more than her, nobody who had more faith than she did, and nobody was any wiser than her. And now that I'm in charge, I've got to lead her spiritually and be a good steward. After going for a while, I started going soul winning and visitation and giving and paying tithes and giving offerings. And then one day I wanted to be in the bus ministry. Tyree, I wanted to be in the bus ministry. But back in those days in 1976, to be in the bus ministry, they had leadership standards. And one of the things that my church required, if you're going to be in the bus ministry, you've got to sign a covenant of things you had to do. Pause for just a second. Buckle up, all of you. Hang on, because I'm going to look around and see how many frowns I get. But you had to sign a covenant. One of the things in the covenant in 1976 to get in the bus ministry you had to sign a covenant that your wife could not wear pants in the church or outside of the church. Now, hmm, 
my wife grew up in Tallahassee, Florida, in the country. I mean, they wore pants for everything except going to church. Never, never wore pants in church. But, and I've got to, I want to be in the bus ministry. So she not only, she had 30 to 50 pants, suits, jackets, and pants. And I've got to get her to agree to stop wearing those so I could be in the bus ministry. So I said, honey, if I buy you new outfits, would you give up wearing the pants? I expected to come back. <clears throat> now, she didn't agree with that. She didn't believe in that. And I'm sure she didn't want to do that. But because of her love for her husband who loved God, she gave her pants. And to this day, she's never put on another pair of pants to wear so I could be in the bus ministry. My stewardship began there. Now, my wife has never been afraid to tell me what's on her mind. But she has never in all these years hindered the spiritual work of her husband and respects that. So that's what my stewardship began when my wife looked at me, not just as a husband, but as a pastor and a man of God doing the things of God. So that worked. I got that done. Matter of fact, I'm still paying for some of those outfits I had to replace. But at least, thank God, she only had to get rid of the pants because the jackets were nice. All she had to do was buy a skirt to match it with the jacket. So, so that worked out pretty well. Mike was seven years old. Anything spiritual he got in those first seven years he's got from his mom. Keep in mind, his daddy played golf on Sunday. So he came out of the womb smart. I'll say this, and I believe, and I'll say it all around. I believe Michael, Michael has, is the smartest fella that I have ever known. He just was gifted of God. He came... Matter of fact, one, we lived over on, off Duke Street, and there was a, on a seven, on the high rise of a seventh floor. And our bedroom was on the back back of the room. My wife and I heard some noise in our living room. We come out to our living room. Michael, there's an older white man sitting in our living room, and my two and a half year old Michael is making him breakfast. <laughs> Another time we heard some noise. And we looked at our floor, the seventh floor. There was a 7-Eleven down at the bottom of, of, of the building. We looked down, our two-and-a-half-year-old is going into 7-Eleven. One time he comes back, he goes to church, he makes a profession of faith, he gets baptized, and I'm teaching him the things of God. I know God's going to use me. He's going to have a great talent, a great mind. I'm teaching I teach him about soul winning. When I was a bus captain, 51 weeks out of one year, except for Christmas, we went to Florida, 8.30 every morning, I took him on the bus route with me. At the end of the morning service, we took the kids back. Then we go back to 5 o'clock. For 51 straight weeks, and I'm teaching them, God, I want to teach him the things of God. I, I, I know he's a smart young man. I know he has all of this talent. 
But I want to teach them the things of God and I'm teaching the importance of loving church and loving God and, and, and wanting to be a preacher. Eight years old, he comes back. We live in a neighborhood. We're the fourth house in the neighborhood, the only black family in this neighborhood. He comes back one day with tears on his eyes. and we, Mike, what's wrong with him? He's up knocking on every door over there telling them about Jesus and people slammed the door in his face and they got, got upset. He was that kind of a person. Later on, I... I ended up leading to the Lord, and he got baptized again. At the age of 15, he learned supernaturally how to play the piano, became the piano player of the Crossroads Baptist Church. September that year, he did his first cantata, Christmas at Home. He did a cantata for a senior class uh, at, at uh, Fairfax Baptist Temple, and on and on and on, brilliant mind. He could have been anything that he wanted to be, and he could have... Uh, when he got into music and he, he, he built a choir when he was 15, the next youngest person was 20 and the oldest person said, I mean, just gifted of God. And I was thinking about that today. Even when he was running the choir here, could have been hired by any church around this country. But the daddy told him the importance of being faithful to church and he wanted to learn the principles of God. And then it hit me today. So, honey, we are two successful business people. Not one time did I ever sit down and say, you know what, Michael? You could take over this business, these business. I could still be in the ministry, and you could run the business. Not one time. Because you know what? I wanted to pass on what was important, the things of God. 1994. For little of nothing, he came to work at Crossroads Baptist Church. And today, he's ministered people all around the world and make us what we're doing today. Wow. So my wife is not only loving me as a husband, but loving me as a preacher. My son wants to, looks at his daddy and says, I want to be what my daddy is. I want to be a preacher like him. I said, man, we're on the roll. But then something else hit me in the late part of 1976. I want a little girl. We all talked about having one child. I want a little girl. So I start praying, God, if you'll give me a little girl, I promise you, I'll raise her for your honor and glory. And I prayed, and God said, I'm going to give you a girl because I trust you to raise her for me. Back in those days, you didn't go into the room when, when the wife was having the baby. I had to sit outside. So the baby was born. Doctor comes out and says to the boy, I see you're lying. We have no boy clothes, nothing. God told me it was going to be a girl. And this pretty little girl came, up, came on, and I, I got pictures of her now with this little hair and little, just dressed her up real pretty and all. She's daddy, little baby. And she used to put her in a room down the hall from us. She'd get out and come into our room. So I told her one day, if you get out of this bed again, I'm going to spank you. I sat outside the door. she get up. I'd spank her, I'd cry. She'd get up, I'd spank her, I'd cry. Seven straight days. On the seventh day, I spanked her. She never got out again. Grew up, went to high school, put all these gray hairs on my head, decided she wanted to be like all the other little girls and, and do all the other things that they were doing in, uh, in school. No, you're going to do what we believe in. You're going to dress like we tell you to dress. You're going to be on and on and on. Follow the Lord. Sent her off to college. She ended up going to Bob Jones University. And uh, she said, Daddy, you're a good daddy, but the worst thing you ever did for me was send me to Bob Jones University where I was in prison. 
I said, I sent you down there so you were in prison so I could sleep at night. <laughs> Came back, got a job in a surgeon office, but I wanted her to be in the work of the Lord, so I talked her into leaving that to come work at the child care center. Today, she's a director of the child care center after mom was there for 22 years, just trying to be a good steward. We really got it made now. Got Michael, got Dee Dee, one boy, one girl, submissive wife, I'm on the roll. And then we're down in Williamsburg one day with Michael and Dee Dee and she playing around with the kids. We always get away with the kids, spend a lot of time with them. And my wife felt bad. So we got back, we took her to the doctor. She goes in to meet the doctor. The doctor says, it's positive. She says, positive what? You're pregnant. She said, pregnant? We had just, I had just entered Bible college. She was going to run the business while I went to Bible college. Now she's having this baby that we didn't pray for, didn't hope for. But, but God hit me with something today. God looked down and he saw the sincerity of a steward. Getting saved late in 30 years old. Had to reprogram and try to raise his children right. God says, hmm, he did pretty well with those other two. Well, let me give him one that's really going to see how his stewardship is. <laughs> on top of that, I'll give it to it on his birthday. So on my birthday, 1979, Pastor Kenny came along. And uh, I can't tell you how many times my wife has cried thinking about that time she was upset when she was pregnant with him. Michael came out of the womb, brilliant mind. Kenny came out of the womb, busy as he can be. Got saved at the age of four, always had a love for the Bible. Gifted in music, piano, could have started a church. Michael won the preaching contest, second place in fourth grade, first place from fifth grade to senior to 12th grade, the first Christian young man to ever win nationals at Bob Jones University three times in a row, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, expository preaching. Kenny comes along, say he got a second place in fourth, fourth grade, I'm going to beat that. So this is how aggressive he was. He preached won first, grade, first place from fourth grade all the way through freshman in college. They've done what nobody else has ever done, those two boys. And then I think about the fact he started preaching at nine and I burdened at 16. And I said, God, I want to help him be the best he can. And I remember we got an old car that he could drive up in Bailey's Crossroads and he could pick up kids and little teenagers and uh, all of this, and then he told me at age 18 or 18 or 19, he said, God, would you support me? I have a burden for my generation. Would you, would you support me? And I committed at the dining room table, I'll stand behind you, and we'll share you with the young people all over this nation. And I can't tell you the thousands and thousands of people that have been touched, but it all started with when God said to Abraham, I can trust him.
If I give him children, he'll raise them for me. And I could go on and on and on. And I'm not boasting, I'm not bragging, but I'm telling I'm really grateful and thankful that I saw enough about the other side of the world that when God saved my soul, I wanted my kids to have what God wanted them to do and we were willing to sacrifice and pay the price. Pastor Kenny could have gone out a long time ago and started a church. He was gifted enough, respected enough, and loved enough. But he sat at that piano from 13 until he was 32 because he wanted the will of God. Both of my boys prayed, God, whatever you want us to do, that's what we want to do. That meant a lot to me. And I believe today that if you're going to have real stewardship, you've got to start in being a steward of your family. The most precious things ever given to us are families. Our families. And if you got saved late in life, I was 30 and wasn't privileged to have what Kenny had for his 30 years. But I was willing to sacrifice and do whatever I had to do to make sure that my family became what God wanted them to, to become. And by the way, I'm going to hopefully in the first of the year, I'm going to go away and I'm going to write all of this stuff down because at 77, I'm forgetting a lot of things. But I am so thankful. And I want to say publicly to Michael, Kenny, Dee Dee, Jeanette, thank you for allowing the stewardship God placed on my heart to be passed on. It wasn't always easy, but it was worth it because we have the opportunity. And the thing about Abraham, God said about Abraham in chapter 12, I'm going to bless you and you'll be a blessing to other people. And I can honestly say we did everything that we could to teach our children as you're blessed and you started out being blessed, you be a blessing to others. You give your heart, you give your time, you give your talent, you give your treasure. You be the best that you can be for God. Nothing, and by the way, what I'm thinking about, we never made the ministry something that people were, thought was hard. We didn't go home after church service and sit down and dinner and have the preacher for dinner. We made the ministry exciting. We made the work of God exciting. It was more exciting than running a business, more exciting than getting on an airplane and flying to New York and having dinner and flying back. The things of God became more important, and we just tried to be the best stewards that we can be for the glory of God. And God said to Abraham, he said, I can share my plans with you. I can shower you with prosperity because you will share me with those who are precious and you'll be spiritual with your provisions because as I bless you, you'll be a blessing to others. And may God help us to learn that principle and give everything that you have to make sure that you are as faithful in your stewardship. The next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about time and talk about treasure. 
We gave our children, when we used to pay our tithes and offerings, we got little envelopes in the early years so they could fill out their name and taught them to tithe and taught them to give offerings, taught them to do these things, taught them to go visitation, taught them to, uh, how to live right, how to look right, how to act right, all of those things, and then taught them a principle that I think is so important. As God blesses you, make sure you are a blessing to somebody else. That's where real stewardship begins. And keep in mind, we're to be accountable. We're to be dependable. And next time we'll look at, we need to be available. Available with our time, available with our talent, available with our treasure, because that is what real stewardship is all about. I know that I got a little sidetracked there and sharing something that's dear to my heart, but I won't list all my failures in life, but I believe that I could ask God to testify on my behalf that as best as I've known how, I've taken stewardship serious and have done my very best to be faithful in this matter of stewardship of time, talent, and treasure. And I've done my best to pass it on to those who are dearest to me, my own family, my own church, and others around the world. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Father, I realize tonight that I've probably said some things, I don't know if I've ever said them like here tonight. But we do thank you that you love us enough that you're willing to share your plans with us. Shower us with prosperity. And I hope that you will know us well enough that you can depend that we will share what we have gained to those most precious in our lives, especially our families. And I help pray that you'd help us to be spiritual when it comes to our possessions. After all, they don't belong to us. They belong to you. And I pray that you'll help every man, woman, young person to take something that was said tonight and just apply it to their individual lives in a personal way. And we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.